Birds with Friends is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they are able to get you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. As we talked about last episode, if you didn't join us, this is a Monday night game where Eagles fans might be looking to sell their tickets. And if you, on a Monday, find yourself thinking, you know what, the Eagles could still go 4-0 and make the playoffs, and maybe I'd like to go see this football game for a cheap price, download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. to your mother it's time for another episode of birds with friends just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the eagles eating teams like bacon steaks and cheese it's philadelphia bow and shield in the cut kicking it cooler than two penguins still bows old arch nemesis greg cosell shows up and it gets real pull up a branch and chill it's time to get ill with some birds with friends the early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends bow wolf and are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings You can't live up to expectations So just do your best <laughs> That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors <laughs> Just go with what you saw today okay, Change yeah. your opinion daily Yeah, I'm all about that for You'll sure. be wrong often, yeah. but then you can just point back to when you were right No yeah. one will remember, no That's one's true. listening Hello everybody, and welcome to Burns with Friends Bo Wolf here in my basement Chilkapadia in his Zach Berman in his uh, palatial office i believe uh how's everybody doing Z- uh shield how are you doing today i'm great thanks for asking you're uh, you're very welcome uh okay so we've got uh we've got some stuff to get to on this free-falling eagles team uh some some roster moves she'll watch the squall 22 if uh, you are um depressed enough to listen to that and we'll talk a little bit about what we saw at the Novacare Complex today, which I, I thought was a little bit interesting. And Zach and I disagreed a little bit on, on what we saw. So why don't we start with that in our Bird on the Street. Uh, Mike Rowe's press conference today, he seemed a little bit sort of downtrodden. Um, and Zach and I disagreed on exactly what was behind that. And, Sheil, we, we tasked you with watching that. Uh, I know you love homework. But... Um, I would like to get your thoughts first before you know what uh, she, what, what Zach and I made of it. <laughs> well, in the least surprising answer <laughs> ever, I did, I did not get around to it. Okay, uh, you know, normally I would just ignore it because, like, yeah, I'm really going to go listen to a micro press conference on, uh, you know, but I actually have a uh, have a long piece coming up on the athletic tomorrow that I was uh, actually working on up until the minute okay. we started recording. So, uh, I, you know, I can just judge it based on your two takes. Can you tease that bad boy? What do you got coming? Well, it, it's not on the Eagles. It's a uh, it's another piece that Joe Tessitore might like. I'll I'll tell you that. Oh, much. well, if it's uh, not on the Eagles, and if it's because the Eagles are playing on Monday Night Football, so is it, what is it? Is it an Eli Manning piece? Oh no, it, okay. it is a it is a Ravens oh, it's piece. Another Ravens it's piece. A, you went. A, you did. You did a two for when you went down there. Yeah, I went down a couple times and tried to get enough material for two articles. And I tell you what, the official. Coach of Birds with Friends, Coach Flynn, uh, you know, the Ivy Leaguer now just with an amazing, amazing assist, more than an assist. He basically 
technically scored and I was the assist, uh, but my name will be on it for this piece. Well, and Zach will give you full credit and give Coach Flynn no credit since they are now mortal enemies. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay, uh, so now, but, 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 but I am surprised to hear you guys say, like, and I'm sure you will explain this, but to say Mike Grow was downtrodden, I mean, you know, I think he seems like a nice guy to me, but like, what is the difference between downtrodden? Mike Grow and regular Mike Grow. I thought, I, I thought this was a, a really new a really new level uh, for Mike okay. Grow. But Zach, why don't you why don't you take us through the sort of blow by blow of what happened? Sure. So Matt Collins, as we all know, was waived on Tuesday. Uh, he was actually claimed by the Miami Dolphins on Wednesday, the day we're we're taping this. And Mike Grow was the first coach or first offensive coach that we that we were able to speak with on the record after um, this came out. And so the question They scored 30 points okay. on Sunday. So the questions were what led to the decision to waive a uh, Matt Collins. And then there were some follow-up questions, you know, why didn't it work out? How personally affected are you by this? Uh, why was he on the As roster? As a former position on? coach of his. Exactly. And, and so he, he stuck to a script for the most part. Um, Basically saying uh, Matt Collins is a good player or, or, or something of that nature. They appreciate all his contributions. There's a lot that goes into roster transactions. Um, I'm not quoting him verbatim here, but but that's essentially what he said. Uh, I'll read. I'll read the. I'll read the okay. transcript. Okay, thank you. He said, um, "I think in every season there are tough decisions that have to be made." I think it was a decision in terms of what's in the best interest of the Philadelphia Eagles that can help us win right now. Beyond that, you have to ask Doug and Howie in terms of that stuff. I have a ton of respect for Mac and everything he invested in his time here for the Philadelphia Eagles and the role that he played and wish him all the best. Now, he was that was like he was he was borderline emotional during that answer. Then he said, um, "Really, borderline emotional? Yes. Would you agree, Zach? Well, that's the point of discrepancy here. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Another answer of his. I think there are a number of factors when you make a roster decision. I don't want to speculate there. I do know that I have a lot of respect for Matt Collins and what he did. He did a lot of good things while he was here. He didn't have a ton of production, as you said, but there are a number of factors involved with that. The next one was about him having been his position coach, and this is actually where." He was emotional. Um, he said he took a he took a real like beat, and then he was like that part of the business, that part of the game where the business is not fun, not fun. Simple answer, but it's not something that anybody looks forward to. That was one where he was like he really, uh, I thought, was like a little bit a little bit torn apart by this. And then the, at the very end, the last question was also a Mac Collins question, and he said I think that Mac did an outstanding job while he was here and want to wish him all the best. But we have a lot of confidence in Greg and JJ moving forward and all the other guys. Uh, okay, and that was about it. So the point of discrepancy, Shield, is, well, I will give my take, and then Bo will give his take. My take is okay. that Mike Rowe uh, was given kind of talking points before he went up there. He knew, or the PR staff knew, that Matt Collins' questions were coming. And he stuck to the script. He He didn't deviate from what they told him to say or what... He wanted to say, however you want to phrase that, and and that was going to be his answer for any Matt Collins question. Bo, your take? I think he was really torn apart by the Matt Collins thing. I really felt that way, uh, and I think that it was like whether it was he really likes Mac or 
he didn't want the team to release Mac, and they released him um, without, uh, or at least you know, disregarding his uh, opinion. Whatever it was, he was like noticeably a little bit more dejected today than normal. And these they're coming off they you know they had a good game on Sunday. And I don't think I was alone in that opinion, by the way. No, you were not. I I think though that that you are psychoanalyzing him too much there. And of course I am. <laughs> and I was going really deep down the psychoanalyzing thing, like you know, this is him now, dead man walking. Like uh, he realizes that he's going to be gone in four weeks. But uh, more than that, I I feel strongly that the Matt Collins thing, for whatever reason, really did sort of affect him. You see, I I perceived either the 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 tone or. The way he was coming across there was was like resignation. You thought it was performative. I wouldn't say performative. Although, as as you say that there might be validity to performative, I was thinking more resignation to like this is how I'm going to answer the question. I'm not going to be creative here. I'm not going to go beyond the script. Like I am just going to stick to the talking point. So you can ask me a third way about Matt Collins. You can ask me a fourth way about Matt Collins. Um, the answer is not changing. Stay tuned for the Friday Birds with Friends where I break the tie <laughs> <laughs> on, on the on the micro Matt Collins uh, analysis. And you're gonna I mean, have I, to be a, you're gonna have to be an app listener for that. So if you don't, if you really want to know the conclusion and you don't yet subscribe, now is your chance. This is this could this could set a record for subscriptions. I think. This tease. And now, Shield, without watching it, <laughs> which one do you think has more validity? Well, I, I think that uh, I, I could see him as somebody who like took a liking to Matt Collins and worked with him a lot one-on-one. And he was his position coach of, in Holland's yeah, rookie year. Yeah. I, I mean, he was uh, he was in his room during you know the Super Bowl season. And so um, when he when he was getting uh, acclimated to the league and all that. So I could see him being disappointed. Maybe he's disappointed with himself for, uh, you know, Mike Groh had a hand in, in hiring the last two wide receivers coaches, correct? Correct. He had some type of connection to both of them. So maybe he feels like he let the kid down that, you know, I, I moved up and I recommended these two guys. They both suck. They can't get anything out of our wide receivers. And now this guy, you know, what might happen to his career? Well, he got picked up by the Dolphins, but, um, you know, his career takes sort of this big turn. Maybe he felt like uh, he let him down. I think it could be what Bo said. Maybe he felt like Matt Collins shouldn't have been uh, released. So I think it could be any of a number of things. It could be something with his personal life, you know? Maybe something happened this morning and he's got something else on his mind and he's up here asking dumb answering questions about Matt Collins that he really doesn't care about. I mean, it's hard for me to really say. Uh, I will say I haven't seen in in any Mike Grow press conference I've sat in uh, in terms of analyzing body language and tone. There's been very little there, in my opinion, to analyze. He, he sort of, to me, has always seemed to speak in the same tone. That's and, what was know, so this... striking about this to me. All right. Well, hey, I'm, I've got something to do tonight after this podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> I might uh, I might uh, warm up some green tea, put some honey in that bad boy, and throw on a micro press conference. You record, Who's with you, me? Put in, put in your, uh, record your <laughs> thoughts in voice memos, and then we'll just tack it on to the end of this episode. Okay, you know, we'll save I it for could... Friday. 
Uh, that's uh, yeah. Come on, we got to get those subs. That's right. Well, that'll do it for I guess this uh, part of micro analysis. Oh, I was hoping that was the whole wrapping episode, up yeah. the episode. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't we get to the actual? Um, well, we should say decision they made. No, go ahead. Oh God, I I was going to talk about Jim Schwartz. I thought I thought we were going on to this uh, to the squall. Well, why don't we why don't we finish the Mike okay. the Mac Hollins conversation? And by the way, if he is like at all productive with the Dolphins. I mean, I don't know who the Eagles need to fire. Probably Carson Walsh, but somebody's head needs to roll. If if like Mac, I hope he is. I hope he is too. Like, how how funny would that be? be? Like, yeah, this gives me a reason to. I'm going to be keeping an eye on that. Ryan Fitzpatrick is throwing him fifty-fifty balls, and he's coming down with him. Like, yeah, (laughs) Uh, a little little post-game media availability for Mac Collins Sunday. You know, sometimes you just get put in a good spot. They misdiagnosed uh, my my (laughs) groin injury. Philadelphia. Well, you know this what? A, you know like, what? That's actually that is actually very interesting. I, I am curious to hear when he does talk if he now is willing to unload either yeah. on or off the record because it it did seem like uh, you know that's another thing that kind of sucks for. We him should actually alert just, our our athletic uh, compatriot to uh, yeah. to dig into that. If possible. Boy, we're just yeah, it's all we're we're just exp- explaining the whole business right here. No, we should do that. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. I would wonder what his thoughts are on that because it did seem like he did not get a very uh, I don't know if it's fair shake or whatever, however you want to call it in terms of that mysterious injury that lingered for so long. It does not seem like it was handled well by the organization. I think that right. uh, going down to South Florida is 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 going to be good for his uh, his pets. He, you know he his, oh, his dream job climate for those snakes yeah his dream job is to own a world-renowned aquarium he's interested in exotic animals uh he owns two snakes voracious so, reader yes yes although he has a lot of throwback eagles jerseys that are probably going to be mm-hmm. hitting the thrift store sometime soon so check those out i will say this too and i don't know if you guys can because uh, I'm speaking about it anecdotally, so I wonder what your thoughts are. I do feel like for every you know community event or thing where they needed a player, like Matt Collins was called on an inordinate amount of times. So absolutely, uh, I mean, you know, those are things where players are allowed to say no, and I'm sure many players did say no, and it seems like he said yes every time and was always out there. Uh, so they had representation. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna make this out as some, um, you know. Oh, I mean, given huge... the level of his production, I, I'm, I'm comfortable saying hashtag even better guy on Mac Hollins. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's probably right. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not throwing him a pity party, but it, it does seem like there were factors here where I could see this uh, really sucking for him. But on the from a football perspective, the guy was doing nothing. So yeah, I mean, the uh, guy was playing, you know, you know, seventy percent of this or you know, fifty percent of the snaps and had. Not had a catch since, uh, what was it, week three? Something crazy. So Week four, Green yeah. Bay, I believe. Okay. Yep. Anyway, uh, so the Eagles uh, wave Matt Collins because they have decided they do want to win the Super Bowl. They have made the move that was uh, sitting there right there all along, the one that was very obviously going to take them over the hump, and that was the promotion from the practice squad to the active roster of all-pro guard Sua Opeta. All right, so Jim Schwartz. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I actually, actually, <laughs> I actually have an Opeta take here. Oh God, oh God, people are turning this off. I know, right now. I know, but I actually, I actually have a take here. 
I mean, okay. Make it I quick. love. We know that I am the like he's the official offensive lineman of Bo Wolf. I love Sue Opeta. Uh but you know the Eagles make this move because obviously some other team was trying to sign him onto their active roster and they like him, uh, so they believe in Opeta, so they they want to bring him onto the roster. How many backup offensive linemen does this team really believe in? You know, Opeta, Herbig, Pryor, Jordan Mailata. These guys are all sitting here as young offensive linemen who are going to be on rookie contracts. And if they really believe in these guys, then they shouldn't also be locking in all the long-term old starters to to long-term deals. They can't you can't you can't really believe in them and also not want to give them a chance to play. Sure you can. Asset accumulation. No, well, it's certainly th- true, I think, with Mylotta, and we probably should have talked about that previously. I mean, you drafted Dillard, you extended Lane Johnson. The ceiling on Jordan Mylotta as an eagle here is a swing tackle. You know, this was a guy who I thought was going into the right. Hall of Fame after his first... <laughs> Uh, after his first training camp, and so I think that that's uh, that's totally fair. Either you're doing a, you shouldn't be, you know, allocating these resources to the starters if you really think he's that good, or you know, you don't need to hype him up that much if if he's not that good and obviously has had injury issues. So you know, I I don't know the Opeta thing. Like I cannot have a long conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm this. not I'm not really like saying they shouldn't have done that. I'm just saying, you know, they just, I hear your they overall just, take. They just signed. Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks to these like to these serious extensions like obviously those guys are really good and they deserve like they're they're very good players but at some point you have to turn things over well I think there's a job to be won by beating out Isaac Sayamalu <laughs> well that might be right yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I also think that that there's somewhere between like taking over for Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks and like being on your practice squad you know I if it's it's an asset that if if you think you have an offensive lineman that has potential, then you don't want to lose him. Whether if if a team's trying to sign him off your practice squad, and you have a a fifth wide receiver who you've evaluated to be league average, if that, then you make that move. You know the, those those last few spots, fifty, fifty one, fifty two, fifty three, they're better spent on developmental players than they are on fringe players. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally agree with that. I just, it's more of a it's more of a like, you can't you can't re-sign every old guy, and really have uh, an effective turnover of the roster. That's just that's no, just but you're getting uh, yeah, I agree. I just it's not think, it's not about Opeta. It's about it's sure. about the full philosophy that Howie Roseman has been. Uh, going through this season, but like I, I thought this, and and I'm not even arguing with you now. It was, it's more like the Mayalata hype from a year ago. Like if you have a seventh round pick who shows potential, that doesn't mean he's your future left tackle. If he's a swing tackle, if you spend a seventh round pick on a swing tackle, that's that's good value. So I, I, I yeah, that is good value. Yeah. But but they were gazing him up, as you would say, <laughs> sure. way more than a sw- swing tackle, sure, in my but, opinion. Sure, my point. I'm is, not so sure that they were the ones gazing him yeah. up. To, to be fair. I think I think there was gazing. <laughs> okay. Before we move on, guys, DraftKings Sportsbook is officially available in Pennsylvania. 
As the trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever, with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. This week, DraftKings has a pro basketball promo you don't want to miss. It's simple. Bet on Philly to win. If they score 76 points first and end up losing, get your bet back up to $25. Plus, DraftKings is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know your funds are safe and secure. That's a good rhyme. And if you're already betting in PA, bet with another book and take advantage of DraftKings' great sign-up offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code TOSS, T-O-S-S, when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code TOSS to place your first bet and can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania-only restrictions apply. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Anyway, Jim Schwartz. <laughs> All right. Can we lay out, please? Yeah. Let's get to Jim, right, yeah. get to so, Jim Schwartz. Who, so Jim Schwartz, who, uh, after a terrible performance, was like, you know, uh, like – skipping down the lane oh, yeah. as, he, as he got to press conference. Like. So remember in, in Doug Peterson's book where he said how he goes into every <laughs> press conference with a game plan? Jim Schwartz came into today's press conference with a game plan, okay? <laughs> he was, you know, this is a guy who doesn't want to talk specifics on anything, and they're, you know, they're, you know, they are what they're, they're uh five and seven team, whatever it is. He was, this, this game was on the defense, okay? They can't give up those points. But everything they did can be explained, okay? <laughs> like, like Jalen Mills on the pass interference had 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 very good coverage, and in in real time, uh, there was no flag thrown. And really, the thing with replay shield is is that when you play it back <laughs> back, you can always find something. And and yeah, that, he was uh, in, he was in great position. Yes. It just happened to be yeah. that the way the ball was thrown <laughs> yes. and Devontae Parker's body position, you know, his hand just sort of got caught. Yes, uh, Ronald Darby didn't bite on the double move at all. He was right there. Just you know, sometimes the guys make a play; they're getting paid too. Um, you know, uh, Tim Jernigan's penalty shield. Uh, he mm, it was this I got to hear. He was you know the <laughs> they want you as you're swiping. Uh, you know, to kind of swipe at the ball, but but the no, way... no, not swiping. It, it wasn't a swipe. It was a full tackle. Yeah, but but he was going in the right way, and then the quarterback was hit, yeah, and it was he just was going into the right strike zone. <laughs> yes. It was he was going at the right level. It just yeah. happened to be that in that split second, Fitzpatrick was coming down to the ground, and so he hit him right in the head. But then that's where he was. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. where he's taught to go. That's so, on the second on the second on the second roughing the passer. I think on the one where he committed two penalties yeah. on the same play. Well, there was one where he hit him low. The second one was one of the most egregious ones I've seen. <laughs> That's the oh, one he's I talking mean, about. I, I thought I would have to look at it. I thought he like <laughs> left the ground. Like I thought he launched himself. No, he was going for the strike zone, Shield. 
Yeah, he was going for the chest. I mean, I was rewinding that going, what the what the hell is he thinking? <laughs> I, like, I thought he actually jumped and launched himself to, like, try to take Ryan Fitzpatrick's head off. Well, uh, I stand by what I said in the postgame pod. Once you're already off sides, you should be allowed to do whatever you want. So Yeah, um, I can't remember which was which. But so anyway, go I, ahead. I, I'm enjoying this. I got to say, I... I was so impressed by Jim Schwartz's performance today. Like, it, like you, you, you just need to give him like a, a round of applause at the end because make no mistake, Shield, this loss was on the defense. You know, he 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 said that he was like, "This is on us." We, if if the if the offense scores twenty or more points, we should win. But then you ask every follow-up question: What's going on with the penalties? What's going on with the coverage? Should you? Oh, oh, yeah. Here's uh, here's one. Should you have 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 played? Uh, split zone, or or should you have doubled Parker? Well, they did on on certain sense uh, on, in, in in certain times. But this quarterback, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a quarterback who went, went to, to Harvard, Harvard and has exactly. been in the league yes. for a long time. So you know there were times when on third down they did double Devontae Parker, and he didn't throw the ball to him. He threw it to the open guy <laughs> over the middle, and you know sometimes yes. they went too high. And what did what did Fitzpatrick do? He took advantage of what the open space in the middle because yes. when you go too high, the middle of the field is open, and you know. There was one time where they were even like, you know what? We're going to go in. We're going to just play training camp-based defense because sometimes you just need to get back to the basics. We, you know, we actually did that in a game against the Giants last year, and it worked out very well. And this time, I think Fitzpatrick was 6-for-6, uh, six six and uh, they <laughs> yes. scored a touchdown on that drive. So really nothing worked. It wasn't our day. <laughs> Yep. Oh my god. This is I can't wait to get to the squall twenty two. It was amazing. It was amazing. So uh credit to Jim Schwartz because like this is a press conference Hall of Fame performance. They're gonna show coaches this in the future as as like <laughs> this is how you take responsibility for something, but then actually don't take responsibility for anything. So And you was, don't point fingers at anybody. Yes, yes, exactly. So it was it was great. When did he say they went to the back to basics? Defense. The, the, like the, the it was one of the drives. I mean, Fitzpatrick one of the five touchdown drives. Yeah, yeah. When Fitzpatrick went yeah, six for six. Yeah, it's hard to keep him. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, all my takes now relate relate to the film, so I don't know if you want yeah, me to unload them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's go right, to let, it. All right. Let's start with the defense then, because we'll, there was we'll nothing just... from the actual locker room today, so we can we can go right to to squall twenty two. Okay. So let, we'll just go based on you know kind of what Schwartz said. I wrote like a note. Uh, here in my notes on Jalen Mills to ask you guys, was Jalen Mills like fighting a flu bug? Are we sure he made curfew on Saturday night? Like, was there is there anything physically wrong with him? I can't believe how poorly this guy played. I mean, <laughs> he didn't he didn't know what was going on the the entire game, and and so uh, you know they had multiple. This was I thought a poor. He wore he wore of, a uh, a shorts suit. Um, on How the plane down. That's about I can tell you. Yeah, I I did see that. I mean, you look at this game, and every big play was when they were single high safety, a one on one on the outside. And so let's start. Well, let's start with this bigger philosophical question that I had. You know, so I, I think we would agree, or, or at least I would say, watching the film, that a lot of this game came down to their guys on the outside, and specifically Parker being better than your guys in one-on-one matchups. W- would you agree with that? Yes, that was that was certainly my take live. So what does that say, I mean, about the state of your cornerback position 
where Ryan Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker, like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything scheme-related. It was just their guy against your guy, and you gave up five straight touchdown drives. I mean, I, I know the—I feel like a lot of times Jalen Mills gets a, a little bit of a raw deal, but when you look at that and you say— all right, in the years ahead, we want to compete for a Super Bowl and you know we're going to be going up against some elite receivers and elite offenses. How can we expect to match up with them in these situations unless you just chalk this up to one bad game, which you know we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But that was like my big picture thought, you know, as we look ahead to 2020 and the cornerback position and you have Mills as a free agent and Darby's a free agent and Jones is giving you nothing. Uh, you know, how, how do you kind of address this to do, do you just need flat out better talent uh, at that position? Well, the, the the correlating thing is that, you know, Jim Schwartz builds this defense around, OK, we let's make sure we stop the run and we'll, we'll play single high. And you're going up against a Dolphins team that is the worst running team in the league by far and like yes. no interest in running the ball. So if you're not even going to deviate from that game plan against the Dolphins and you know that they're still throwing the ball all, all over you and it and as you said it's it's Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker that's the combination that's just that's torching you then yeah you probably you probably do you either need to be willing to adjust the scheme and you know roll coverage that direction or, or whatever it takes or you do need better talent right you, you need one or the other I think yeah we, and, and I'm it's inexplicable that they did not do that earlier. I mean, you look at it, that Packers game, remember, that was a big story. All right. They he said, said they, played, they played too high in that game. Yeah. Yeah. So why did, why on, in the yeah. world did you not do it here? Like you said. It's crazy. I mean, you could have, you would have easily stopped the run. There's, they have nobody. They weren't going to run the ball. They were down two touchdowns in the third quarter. At that point, you say, all right, we're up 14 points. Let's see if they can move the ball methodically down the field. We'll play with two deep. They're not going to win with these jump balls. And they didn't do it. I mean, it, it's a lie. They did it with like seven minutes left or something in the fourth quarter, uh, you know, when it was absolutely way too late. So for Jalen Mills, but you know, my notes on him, he kind of led most of my notes. There was a, a third down in the second where him and Avante Maddox just do a terrible job communicating against kind of a bunch formation. They leave Albert Wilson wide open for a, uh, for a third down conversion. We know there was that 17 yard touchdown to Devonte Parker where I don't know what technique he's playing. I mean, yeah. it looked to me like that was man coverage, but he's got his, uh, as coach Flynn would call it the zone turn where you've got your back to the sideline right. and you're, you're playing it like you're playing zone and you have help and you don't have help. So I don't know what he's doing there. That was uh, a weird play. Yeah. That was a weird play. There's a drive in the fourth quarter where he gives up a 21-yard completion to Mike Gesicki, which is another play where yes. you know the Dolphins stack their receivers and he gets caught. It's it's like they've never seen something like this before. Like this, <laughs> I mean, this happens every time a defense plays man coverage. These are the things you're going to see. And like he wasn't even close. He gets picked, gives up a 21-yard completion to Gesicki on third down. The next third down on the same drive, defensive pass interference, and then still on the same drive, gives up a 34-yard completion to Devontae. Parker that was the one where I, I wrote I was writing down single high again I couldn't believe it it's the fourth quarter you've been burned all game you cannot afford this guy to make jump balls and he gives up a 34 yard completion to Devontae Parker so just uh you know one of his worst games that that I can remember in a long time well here's the thing Sheil is that 
you know, there were a couple plays in this game where, you know, there was one play where Derek Barnett has a really good rush and gets at uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick just at the at the exact second he's getting rid of the ball inches away. And that's the thing about about football is that there are so many plays in this game where the Eagles were inches away from making the play that would have made the difference. But they just, you know, this just wasn't their Sunday. Is that who said that? Yeah, that's that's more Schwartz. Oh, okay. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> how, how long has the guy coached in the NFL? This is the Dolphins. This is the freaking Dolphins. Exactly. If you want to use that's if why, you want to like, use I, that's that why against, I can't uh... worry about like yeah, you know, there were some bad calls against them, and you know, there were a couple fluky things, but they were ten point favorites. It's they were playing the Dolphins. Like they, they should, were... nothing should have ever been close about this game. Yes, if you want to say that against you know one of the, uh, one of these elite offenses or something where you're underdogs, fine, go ahead and do it. I mean, I still think talent is the biggest issue on defense. But you were up two touchdowns in the third quarter against a two-win team, and you were ten-point favorites. So no, I, I did not see many examples. I mean, the one example, and uh, you were tweeting at me about this: the forty-three-yard touchdown to Ronald Darby. Uh, against Ronald Darby in the first half, like that is the, that is a play where I will say fine. You know, <laughs> I, I, I know. Well, I that joke was about that it. was the exact that was the exact play you described happening on the Friday podcast. Well, it was and it wasn't because I would say the one I was describing was the second one, which was a forty-two yarder where Darby did not make a play on the ball. Uh, that mm. one, like, it's unbelievable when you slow it down. He timed his jump perfectly. His right arm is fully extended. <laughs> They're literally, I think that is the one play. Like, that's the criteria from now on. That's the criteria. When you tell me that a cornerback had good coverage and, you know, the other guy just made a play, it has to meet the criteria of that 43-yard touchdown because I do believe that there was nothing else he could have possibly done <laughs> with sort of the body that he has been given to break up that pass. So, uh, yeah, I, I can buy that one. Then, then the 42-yarder, that looked like it was cover three. Again, your corners are on an island. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't understand when since when did, like, the cornerback being too short to compete with the tall wide receiver be a valid, like a valid thing. Well, Jim actually, Jim would not use that as an excuse today. He said okay, those guys good. can jump. Yeah, because uh, the question was asked, uh, did is there anything you could do there when the guy's taller than you? And he says, you see tall receivers every week. Uh, those guys can jump. Also, he was asked, why not put in Rasul Douglas, especially in red zone situations? And he said, and I actually like this answer. He said that uh, Darby and Mills have, have been playing well. That's that's part of what's been working with this defense. Those guys earned the right to be in there and and work through it. Uh, so that was the 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 reason they stuck with their. Starters. I think that's I think that's fine. But if you're gonna if you're not gonna change your coverage, then you probably should have at some point probably put Rasul Douglas in there for probably for Darby, even though Mills was the one playing worse, uh, just because he is better in those jump ball situations. And if you're if you're not going, I mean, what they, what they should have done is gone too high, but. You know, who am I to say? Yeah, give, give them some help then. If you're going to leave them out there, uh, give them a little bit of help. But yeah, that that was just weird to me. You know, like just the thought that the guy, the corner is too short. Like the the entire sport is based on like guys being physically superior to the other guys. Like you know, you don't you don't say, well, you know, the offensive lineman he just wasn't as fast as that defensive end. That's why he gave up the sack. There's nothing I mean, that good. Ga- uh, that 
that game was like um it was the it was like Jim Schwartz's plan was the opposite of the uh Bill Belichick thing we make fun of. He was if the only way <laughs> they were going to lose was if the <laughs> right. other team's best player beat them. <laughs> yeah. And it, I mean give me a the and best player Mike you know <laughs> you're know. really using that well, loosely. Well like, yeah, but guys, their best player who else would have Yeah. Been? I mean, but he's just been like a you know a huge disappointment to them. But well, he's uh, had a pretty good one... second half of the season, right? He's been pretty okay. productive lately. Well, with Fitzpatrick, you know, you're the national guy. He'll, he'll throw it up there. I I don't watch those Dolphins games, and I will not claim to. Okay. Uh, there was one other play that stood out because when you just said they got back to basics, did you, I don't know if you guys and I I did read your stories, so don't yell at me. And I didn't catch <laughs> this in there, but there was a third and six in the third quarter where they had Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat. Dropping into coverage? Did you see this? I, I, did, I did see this? Barnett. I did see Barnett dropping at one point. Yeah, I didn't write about it, so it's fair. Thir- third and six in the third quarter, the heart of the game. <laughs> you need a stop, and this is your call. They rushed four. They rushed Jenkins and somebody else, and you like Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat are dropping. You know, eight yards off the ball. And I'm looking at it saying, well, you know, you know, like there's the whole idea that when you play zone coverage, you still want to match the patterns. You know, you're not just dropping to a spot and not paying attention. Like if there's a player nearby, you need to, you know, cling to him. That's how good teams play zone coverage. And I'm looking at it saying, who are these two guys? They're just they're just backpedaling, running to a spot and not doing anything. And there's a catch right in between them for like 14 yards. And then I'm like. That's 96 and 94. What kind of call is that on third down? I mean, listen, Jim Schwartz knows, uh, you know, a million more things about defense than I ever will. But when you go from that to then, well, simplify it on defense. And we try like, I, I don't know what they were doing. That that was a horribly coached, horribly executed game all around. All right. Um, if we are ready to move off the defense... Uh, I would like to ask you why the Eagles abandoned the run in the second half. And, uh, you know, obviously when the Eagles run the ball a certain amount of times, they're more likely to win the game. Yeah, I know you. I I did see you responded to this on Twitter and and I was totally on board. I mean, give me a break. You you know, you first, the other team is scoring on every possession. You you can't think about anything. I mean, fine. If you want to say the ball control thing, I would look at it as you need to score on every possession to keep, to maintain your lead. And And it's not even that like the, like it's not passing the ball was working. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There were plays, you know, all game long to, to pass the ball that uh, I did not see that as an issue at all. I, I don't understand this. You know, it's <laughs> it's like I feel like people watch the game and then like they have an opinion as they watch the game and then they go look at the box score and they immediately go to, well, that must have been the, the problem. I, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, I did you not couldn't see be that. watching that game and think that the Eagles needed to run the ball more. Like They weren't gashing them on the ground. I didn't no. you know. In the uh, in the second half, because I I did go back and 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 try to see it, and I I didn't see any issue with the play calling. There was only one play when I, or I, I guess one sequence when I I thought they could have put a run in, and that was there was a first and second down at midfield at the end of the third quarter, right when the third quarter turned to the fourth quarter. Uh, they passed three straight plays there, and they were in a third and long situation because of it. 
Um, at the second down pass. Is that I the believe. one that was right after the pass interference on Alshon when they yes, then tried yes. to go deep to Alshon? Yeah. Yeah, which which actually Alshon was open there. Carson Alshon was him. open, yeah. And then the second down, it was a pass to Miles Sanders for a three yard loss, I believe. And Screen, they, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so they were in Which a, is I mean, that's basically game. a run. Like you can't Sure, but yeah, now, I, I was just saying, like, as I went through, that right. was really the only sequence. Because the, uh, you know, the, the second down pass to Ertz, uh, I, I mean, that that was a great pass. That was uh, either a touchdown or at least sets up a touchdown, the one Ertz dropped. So they they certainly shouldn't have, have, have run there. Um, and then, you know, the third down there maybe – you run to, to try to set up a, a better field goal, but I, I like being aggressive. You just can't take a sack and push that back to, what, a 48-yard field goal? Uh, so so that was a bad sequence, but I don't think that was bad play calling. Yeah, I think you touched on it. You know, the, the offense, it really came down to three drives in the second half where, you know, they score end of the half touchdown, first possession of the second half touchdown. They're up 28-14. And then from there, you had three drives that end in a missed field goal, a punt, and a punt. And I, I think on two of those drives, you really had missed opportunities. In, in, again, you just mentioned them, but the one was, uh, you know, Wentz had the big miss to Alshon Jeffrey down the left sideline where, you know, not every quarterback's going to make every throw. I, I thought Wentz, especially in the first half, was much better in this game. I thought two things really stood out. One was that he was giving Alshon chances to make plays when he wasn't open. Yeah. And it was actually, it was effective. I mean, there was that 13 yarder he threw like near the sideline in the first quarter. What a catch that was. What a catch. And that like, was an if unbelievable you, catch. Yeah. That's one where throw, if you yeah. look at, if you look at it, you would say he's not like if Wentz would have taken a sack, everyone would have been, you know, circling. Ah, no one's open. No one's open. No one's open. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to trust the timing of the play and your receiver. If, you know, Fitzpatrick was doing that the entire game. And so he threw it there. That was a 13 yarder. And I think there was one other one. Uh, I want to say I don't I can't see it here in my notes, but I, I wrote down another one where there were, I think it was a 16 yarder, 17 yarder to Jeffrey, where it was the same thing. You would look at it and say he's not really open, but you know Wentz is giving him a chance to make a play, and so I thought that was an encouraging sign. And then you know another thing we've been discussing for weeks is get him out of the pocket and yeah. let him do some stuff, and they did do that in this game. And I, I thought it was pretty effective in this game. I, I think the offensive line in terms of pass protection was very good. You know, that's not a good pass rush, but he had a lot of clean pockets uh, in this game where he was able to, to operate. So, you know, I, I thought there were some wow throws, I will say from Wentz in this game where it felt like the last couple of weeks, you weren't really getting as many of those. So I thought that was an encouraging sign. And, um, and then there were still some misses, as we said, you know, so, still some accuracy issues here and there. That's a big miss to Jeffrey, potentially a, a game changer. But, you know, as I said, every quarterback misses some throws. And then the screen, I mean, how many, you know, uh, I feel like this is several weeks in a row or several games this season where they have a screen that's blown up for a negative play in the second the half. Yeah. It happened against the Seahawks. It happened in this game where you lose four yards after the miss to Jeffrey, and then all of a sudden you have to punt. So I thought that was a big sequence. And then, uh, you know, the other big sequence, which Zach mentioned, Zach Ertz drops that ball in the middle of the field. And then that third down sack, if you look at it, uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has a one-on-one -on, -one on the left side. He, again, it's not one of these plays where you look at it and say he's open, he's covered up pretty good. But that's one where it's like, 
It's complete 101. There's no safety over there. The safety was on the other side with Jeffrey. It's third down. It's just a lack of trust. You know, if you trust that guy, then you throw the ball up and you say maybe he he can make a play or you trust him to force an incompletion. If it's not there, Wentz did not trust it. He held on to the football. He takes a sack and then you end up with a 49-yard field goal that you miss. So, you know, that that's just sort of uh, another example of the issues that they faced uh, throughout throughout the season. And then I thought an underrated bad play was Jason Peters with that false start in the yeah, second oh, yes, quarter? Definitely. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's a fourth and two from the Dolphins 20. You're going for it. It didn't feel like everybody heard the flag, and so they kind of ran the play, and it was a sprint out, and, you know, Wentz hit Aguilar. It looked like it would have been a first down, and it gets called back, and then you have to kick the field goal. I mean, in a tight game, that's four points off the board due to an unforced error. I think that's all. that's all fair. I have a game management question uh, because this is something that that some fans have asked about on on social media. Um, the the end of the game sequence, so not the last drive, second to last drive. Uh, when you're driving, do you kick the field goal sooner? You know, you know, you need two scores. Do you kick yeah. the field goal sooner to try to get the ball back? I I didn't have an issue with what Doug did because. You know they were at the 13 yard line. They and they were moving the ball distance. in chunks too. It, and exactly. if Ertz catches that ball, it's before the two minute warning. Uh, they've got one timeout and the two minute warning left. They would theoretically get the ball back with like a minute to go. Yeah, and and if if Carson if Carson doesn't take the sack either on second right. down, you know they've if if he just throws that away, they're going third down with with probably 2:30 on the clock. And oh, was it that know, was it that much? I, I was thinking yeah. it was more like 2:15 or so. So the play started at two thirty four. So well, yeah, what was so, so bad about that was, uh, that was the the sack was on second down, right? Yeah, second and ten. And then they yep. ran. So what was so silly about that was that then they rushed to the line and snapped the ball at like two o two and rushed yep. this silly play where if you're gonna lose a two minute warning anyway, they should have just taken the two minute warning and drawn something better up. Agreed. But, yeah. I think I looked this situation up for a uh, 10 likes dislikes column which you know you can read that every week on theathletic.com because I was curious what the uh, analytics people said about this and you know I'm sure there's different stuff out there but the the stuff that I found from people who seemed to know what they were talking about was that there was no definitive answer one way or another where one way was better than the other way it was kind of cloudy uh, where I think um, it's more I think it more comes into play if there's like you know 30 seconds left and you need two scores when that then you yeah. might as well take the field goal uh, because if, if you're counting on needing to recover the onside kick anyway then it makes right. more sense but they did the, the Eagles weren't in, in position where they needed the onside kick or if you're yeah, at like the 25 yard line or, or something where it's harder to score a touchdown right right but from the 13. I, I didn't have an issue with no, how I, they I went no about it. No, I with that at all. I just had an issue with taking a sack in that spot. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. The uh, uh, well, well, the the last game management thing. Uh, I don't know that Doug Peterson is getting roasted enough for not calling a timeout and his explanations. Oh my god! After yeah, the let's fact talk about this because he was really defending it all again on Monday. Oh uh, yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I asked two questions about it on, on Monday. Yeah, and um, you did a good job. And uh, well, thank you, Bo. Um, and yeah, I, I asked Doug what the downside to it is. 
And Doug said there really is no downside. Right. Um, but he said that uh, you know they could have come out with a completely different fake a uh, fake play. Um, and then, but my follow up was, but like they came out in a different formation. Usually, you see fakes out of a conventional formation. When it's an unconventional formation, why not just call a timeout and reset? Frankly, I think that uh, I think Miami either would have kicked the field goal or just gone for the touchdown. I don't think they would have come out with a completely different fake. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but no, uh, you're not wrong. Has that ever happened <laughs> no, in the history of the NFL? Never where a team comes out like that, <laughs> yeah. you call timeout. What do they have? Seven different fake yeah, I mean, these yeah. crazy. What are they going to run mean, the exact same yeah. play? I mean, like, that was the yeah. worst explanation I've ever heard. Yeah. It was really uh, I mean, bad. Give, Give me a break. You you call timeout there. You're absolutely right. Either they say, all right, we're going to you know get our offense out there uh, and go and forward. And you had just or, stopped them three times from the one. Like, I th- Yeah. You, yeah. How many plays did they run there inside? Whatever it was. The, well, they the had first and goal on the one from the, from the pass interference. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that is such a joke. And then to act like, well, we Ridiculous. were totally prepared for it. Everyone knew what to do. He Watch should the have freaking owned that. play. Ugh. You got, I mean, you got Josh Sweat and what's the Anthony Rush going after the ball carrier. They leave the guy. How could you know what to do? You're leaving the guy wide open in the end zone. <laughs> what are you talking about? You knew what yeah. to do. Of course you didn't know what to do. Ridiculous. So to me, the only, uh, the only plausible explanation is that like you saw the formation. And you're like, no way this works. You know, and I, I said on the podcast the other day, like if you were watching that Colts Patriots game a few years ago where they had Pat McAfee back there, uh, and it was just the snapper to Pat McAfee, and it's like, what are it, like what's Chuck Pagano thinking? Um, that's the only explanation is is that you liked your chances uh with no one blocking. But I still would have taken the timeout because it's not even it's ridiculous to not yeah. take the timeout. No. Yeah. They are in no position to think that what the other team's going to do is not going to work, and like and, like they're smarter than them. They didn't and know for what Doug was happening. to like continue defending this is really bizarre. Like usually, yeah. I think that he would sort of own that, right? It's yeah. It's, he was it's, like, it's, he yeah. was it's really about weird. It. He was Just adamant take about the time it. out, dude. Yeah, I mean, in truth, he he's actually very good at. Game management, I think. I mean, we, you know, it's rare that I feel like we have these discussions. And when we do, it's usually, you know, one of those things that can go either way. I actually think if I'm yeah. looking at it league, league wide, like he's definitely among the top 10 coaches in terms of not making those boneheaded errors during games. So that, you know, that was one where they got you. Uh, you know, somebody should have been yelling, call time. You have three timeouts. It's the end of the half. It's not like it's, uh, you know, early in the third quarter. And save yourself some points or get your guys better prepared where it's not Josh Swedeny, Anthony Rush uh, going after this guy. And, I mean, the guy couldn't have been more wide open. I love that I don't remember any of these Dolphins players' names. I just keep calling them the guy. Sanders, Hack, there's a Sanders. I believe is the yeah. – uh, Hack, Hack, Hack and Jason right? Sanders, yeah. yep. Okay. <laughs> what, a combina- what a combination to freaking, Ridiculous. you know – Lose the game on Mad Hack to Jason Sanders, unbelievable. And and by the way, the post game comments from 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 Miami were like they did exactly what we expected them to do. <laughs> oh, really? yeah. oh, yeah. oh, your clip reading is paying <laughs> off here. That's yeah, interesting. So that so, so that to, that struck me as like you know I, I guess they expected Josh Sweat to peel off. You know. Oh yeah, my god! That, now Doug that's Peterson awesome. To not call a timeout. That's great. They did exactly what we <laughs> expected them to do. 
I like that. Uh, this team, this team. I, yeah, I don't really even. Bad. Yeah. Now it's fair. Somebody called me out in the comments for not uh, throwing FIP under the bus here. It's true. Like Dave FIP has not had a very good year. Yeah, they're, no, you're right. they've been very mediocre. Yeah, the, very the, mediocre. the fake field goal against Minnesota. Yeah. And yeah, by the way, the right. Vikings uh, were were caught off uh, guard by a fake by the Seahawks the other night. So they're they are not some uh, you know un- impenetrable defense special teams defense against fakes. Yeah, that so, fake, fake field that fake field goal was going to make the likes column, but then I think they still punted on the drive. Mm. But uh, that was a fun Pete, that was a fun play. I mean, and that was like from his own territory, you know, where he's usually yeah, it was, it was like a, going for it. Yeah, like a, and it it's wasn't a even game. like a short one. It was like fourth and five or something like yeah. that, I think, right? Yeah. Though they, yeah. by the way, I mean, they had, though, I'm, I don't know if I haven't read your likes, dislikes yet, so I do apologize. But uh, that there, those fourth and shorts in the, in the beginning of the game were unbelievable. They didn't go for like, that's the whole, it's, it's, it's the whole identity it's of the team. Week. It's crazy. It's every week. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, a little background here on on that fake. This is from the Dolphins punter. He said that uh, that they gave us exactly what we <laughs> this planned is great for. Great Yeah, he said oh they gave gosh. us exactly what we planned for. The reason the play worked so well is it was fourth and short. If you saw the fake we had against Buffalo, it was a run. They've seen a run, so they were expecting a run. Oh. Uh, and, and, and people That's probably good. might not say it's contribution. But on the snap, they had two guys that ran. There was a little pump fake that was supposed to take care of one, and he was supposed to completely take out the other one, and he did a, a great job. So he was talking about Daniel Kilgore. Uh, but but basically, like, they got the Eagles doing exactly what they wanted based on a previous fake. Oh, that's a that's good great. job, Seaburn. All this clip reading all year pays <laughs> off big time. And well, what are we in? Yeah, we that's got... yeah, that's transcripts. So, so that, that was that counts. Reading. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So it sounds like the Eagles thought right. they had the right defense because right. they, they, they were seeing seen the this on thing. film. Yeah, and yeah. oh, baby, we got gotcha. you. That is so and, perfect. That is so perfect. And then the Dolphins uh, pull the old rope-a-dope on them. That yeah. is so stop. perfect. Yeah, we're not going to call timeout. Oh. We've seen this play. We did the homework. <laughs> no, you oh, didn't. <laughs> like, just oh, call timeout. So they really did think they were like outsmarting them there. All right, yeah. that makes it that makes it pretty clear. I think. That's you know, and good. and uh, the the problem is the Dolphins Bills game was not on the West Coast, so a mm. lot of people have have seen it. You know, <laughs> only the Eagles saw it. If it was on the West Coast. So. Oh my gosh! That's well, good. you were right when you, Bo, when you said uh, after the game they got out coached. I mean, you have to. Uh, I think no that's a hundred percent fair for this game. Yeah, no doubt about it. I love that Brian Flores has you smitten. Also, I can see, I could hear it in your voice. <laughs> I like a Brian Flores. Well, it was funny because Zach was like, "Oh, I like Brian Flores," and immediately I was like, "Of course you like Brian Flores. He's a Patriots guy." But then, in the, as the game went on, you know, he's taking all these chances. Why not? I like a Brian Flores. That was not yeah. even my explanation. The Patriots thing. It was. It was actually it was uh, probably the heart uh, of your explanation. Uh, no, I will give credit to Jenny Vrentas of Sports Illustrated. She wrote a great feature on Brian Flores uh, uh, last winter and um, and just kind of his life story and the relationship it, it, so it, it was a, it was a nice story and it makes you uh, uh, you know kind of a root for the guy for lack of a better term so yeah it was a nice story so so that's what I like about him and it also has like a major league feel to it you know oh totally coach giving the 
the middle finger to ownership. Oh, we, totally. We, yeah, we're, I would have liked to three you know, rip off in our last the five. Stephen Ross in the uh, in the nipple tassels oh, God. is exactly uh, what I was picturing after that game. Oh, well, so, I think you. Yeah. It's safe to say you were the only one. That's a me that. problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <a> you problem. <laughs> Although, if if uh, Jimmy Kemsky's listening, I feel like that there's there are some opportunities there with uh, what is it MS Paint or you know yep, I don't know what yep. it is he used, but there yeah I, I, I will admit I would like to see that in a cartoonish way, not you know the way you said it, but yeah. Anyway, that's good. Let's move on. <laughs> um, I had something else that I forget that I was going to say, so that's very helpful. Was it something about Zach? And then, oh, oh, yes, I know what it is. So, as we move, as we turn the page to this week, we have had Kapadia week, and now we get Berman week because Daniel Jones is out, Eli Manning's in. We get a full week of Zach's Eli Manning love. Zach, why don't you take it away and give us your uh, your favorite Eli Manning stories? <laughs> First off, there's 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 no Eli Manning love. Not enough say, time. There's but, not enough time uh, for you to give uh, us all the love. So Eli Manning has has this prank that he plays where he he would take oh he would take people's phones like he would take it, Nix's phone and he would okay. change the language to like Japanese or, or that's a very good prank I respect yeah. that prank and and, uh, and really and, yeah he much has, less much less sexually aggressive than the Peyton Manning pranks from his times at uh, Tennessee so that's good <laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> Eli is a uh, Eli is a uh, a very good prankster. Um, so, uh, so no, but I, I'm not like an Eli Manning guy. I I, I covered Eli Manning for You're a not, year and a not half. An Eli Manning guy. Eli Manning couldn't pick me out of a lineup. Um, but uh, during yeah, but you still got a statue on your uh, in your office. <laughs> my in my year and a half, my first year and a half covering an NFL beat, and uh, and like. You know, I'm I'm going in. You think I'm like uh, kind of ambitious way and, and, and wide-eyed now. Like, just imagine me at 25 years old showing or 24 years old showing up to Albany for training camp. Um, I was like first day, first day there. Walk right up to Eli in the cafeteria. Oh, <laughs> really? You know, introducing, introduce myself. Hi, you know, you know. That's great. You know, hi, I'm 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 Zach Berman from the from the Star Ledger. I'll be covering the team. Just wanna just want you to put a face with the name. Eli couldn't care less, but he was he was polite <laughs> about it. <laughs> but yeah, I remember like like really like first day there went right up to him to introduce myself. Yeah. All right. That's I would great. like a uh, if the Eagles if this is a dud of a game, I would like Zach to uh, to go try to talk to Eli Man and get some kind of first person story. I then would you like could that. write like a little like a memoir type piece on the arc of your career from that day in Albany to this Monday night in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, I'm so in on that. Uh, uh yeah, I a hundred percent would be in on reading that. I hope so, the Giants win this game just so you can pull that off. So, yeah. uh, so like a little background. So this is kind of like inside baseball. But uh, my partner on the beat back then, uh, Mike Garofolo, he He's he's now with the NFL Network. Um, and 
Eli on Wednesdays uh, would stand by his locker and take every single question. That was kind of his 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 thing. Like he's talking and he's just gonna take every question. So there's no last question. You just stand around his locker. People start going away and 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 so forth. Uh, but he'll he'll take any question. And so I would stay there until the end every time. And my assignment on Wednesdays was to do that, so Mike didn't have to worry about Eli. Mike could work the rest of the mm. locker room when I was uh, working Eli. So or, or not working Eli when I was listening to Eli and asking questions when applicable. So. Uh, for you know the 2010 season and part of the 2011 season, um, every Wednesday I was there at Eli's locker. How was your placement though? Because I would imagine there would be a lot of cameras, a lot of oh, media yeah. there. Yeah, I, I, and I am, I'm very short. So uh, if 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 I wasn't there right away, low man, low man uh, wins. Yeah, so I I had to kind of camp out and be ready and and but Eli and Bo's gonna laugh when. I say this. Eli was there waiting by his locker. This 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 wasn't one of those things where like Eli's in the trainer's room and and is like hemming and hawing and checking. No, when the locker room opens, Eli's standing there. So I would make sure I would I would go into that door first, and I I I, I could get a front row uh, um, seat, so to speak. I want you to go out onto the field pregame <laughs> and have like a have like a tete a tete with Eli and be like. How's it going, buddy? I want to see the sparks fly. I would. I Eli, would watch video of this. Eli would have <laughs> no idea who I am anymore. I, I bet he would I, recognize I, you. I mean, he might recognize me, but like, you got to understand, like, Eli's probably had hundreds of beat reporters during his time. This was what a classy run he's had. This was nine years ago now. When you know, I I left the beat in 2011, so eight years ago, um, and uh, so. Yeah, I, I, I mean, maybe he would vaguely remember, but uh, no, I, I, I don't, I, I, I didn't have any, any uh, like great relationship with Eli. Uh, if yeah, it was... but you have a, de- you have a defining, you know, uh, you, you alluded to, uh, you know, being a little shorter maybe than your <laughs> True. counterparts. So you have a, yeah. th- this helps, you know, this has helped right. me. You think, uh, you think players are saying I'm getting shield confused with the other bald Indian guy in here. No one's saying that. <laughs> I mean, they might, they might not know my name, but they say, oh, you know, bald Indian guy's back. Let's see uh, what dumb question he's going to ask me now that that works in your favor when you, uh, when you have sort of a defining characteristic. Yeah, I think I'm too that- generic white guy. Yeah, you need to you need to switch it up. Maybe go like a ponytail. Mm. Maybe start wearing suspenders. I know what you should do. Let's hear it. Uh, you, you carry a walking stick. You know, you, I, you go in there. You you go in there. There's a oh, walking stick guys coming in. What's he gonna ask me about uh, Omar S this time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could do that. But no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I bet Eli was probably like a little taken aback in the sense that like. I might just like, start, uh, start a limp. How about that? <laughs> eh, maybe. Now, my guess, though, is, is that uh, people probably tiptoe around Eli a lot, especially at that time. And literally, like, first day there in Albany. I yeah, I love this story. Right, of that. I, I, I dart right Audacious. up the Yeah. And uh, like. Like to me, that was it was my first day on the beat. That's what you're supposed to do, and, and so uh, yeah. I you should have that. punched him in the nose first day. First day on the beat, you go up to the most important guy and you punch him in the nose. That's the, that's my that's my reporting tip. That that's like when I came back for the athletic and you know was introducing myself to uh, 
to <laughs> pl- players who I didn't know before in the Eagles locker room. And, uh, yeah, my, uh, you know, I, I go up to Alshon and, you know, hey, you know, Shiel Kapani used to cover the team. I was just in Seattle. Uh, yeah, not not the most welcome greeting. <laughs> what was the, uh, what was it? Frank, was a, Frank Reich was, like, happy to take some time and Jim Schwartz was just like, uh, okay, see you later. <laughs> Yes, yeah. Jim Schwartz did not stop walking as he was into, <laughs> at, at, as he shook hands. And uh, Frank Reich, like you know, if we didn't have anywhere to go, we probably could have talked to him for the uh, entirety of that day. And uh, Frank Reich is a head coach, and uh, uh, Jim Schwartz uh, is here defending Jalen Mills. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to it. So my maybe. my my funniest introduction story was with Chip Kelly. Uh, when uh, Chip got hired, okay, and so I, I I was at the Fiesta Bowl and then the opening press conference, but like I I didn't introduce myself un, un, until a little at at the combine, and I had gone up to his hometown in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I did a big Which I'm story. I'm sure he loved. And, and it was so so I so that's what this is. So uh, and I was at the bar on a Saturday with all of his friends from high school. Like his group, all his hockey teammates from high school, and was I was real proud of this story and, and real proud of this. And uh, can and I ask, I, did you like set this up, or did you just happen to be there? No, like like I I asked his high school coach, like like where guys hang out, you know, okay. and it was this bar. It was I think it's called the Puritan Room, or and it's a good, uh, and good and, reporting. I like sat mm, that there. Sounds uh, interesting. You know, I, I, room. I, I, I sat there for <laughs> a few hours on a Saturday, and uh, and uh, and like I would just ask the bartender, you know, and his hockey teammates were there, and I went up, I, I, I bought them drinks, and I, uh, nice, I, I, you know, it was, it was a, it was a fun story to write. So, anyways, um, at the combine a few weeks later, I go up to Chip. And I say, Chip, I, I just want to introduce myself, Zach Berman from the Philadelphia Inquirer. I was actually up in Manchester, and I name-dropped, like, four of these guys. And Chip looks at me, and it's like, like, why would you do that? And <laughs> I, was like, I'm like, I was like, well, you're the head coach of the Eagles. You know, there's a lot of interest in you. He said, must be a really slow news day. And he turned around and walked away. <laughs> and that was, yeah. that, yeah. I, I was, I was right. like, Emotional uh, intelligence. <laughs> but that was, like, my introduction to Chip. Paved the way for your uh, <laughs> lifelong love affair. <laughs> if you call it that, yes. <laughs> Chip and Eli, I, mean, I, I can't still, believe we got them both in the same podcast. That's great. I, I still can't get over the Puritan room. Like, what the... <laughs> it sounds like hey, a It's a weird name for a bar. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Okay. Okay, that's good. Yeah, right. uh, Shield, did you have any other uh, ombud- ombudsman uh, notes on the last podcast? You know what? I... Uh, I was actually speaking them into my recorder as I listened, and uh, I didn't get a chance to re-listen or uh, transcribe. So I've not. So again, Friday, a lot of things oh, are going to be stuff. happening good on, this, right. on this Friday. It's been a busy week. What do you want from uh, me? Sure, of course. No offense taken. Okay. Uh, can I ask one last question? We there's a lot of. Um, I was I was given some some guff in the comments for saying that Jim Schwartz is one of the better defensive coordinators in the league and i think we agree that he has this very good track record uh but do you think i am defending jim schwartz too much i mean this was obviously a terrible performance but in general with what he's been given i think he has been doing a very good job do you think that you would like to see the eagles replace jim schwartz i would not either yeah i i I think you're you should just sort of uh 
let let those slide by. I mean, I understand why commenters would be very angry after watching mm-hmm. that game. I don't think he did a good job that game. But big picture, uh, I, I do agree that I think if you got rid of him, you would probably have a very tough time finding someone better. I know some people have uh, were, were tweeting at uh, me and you guys, I think, Ron Rivera as a yeah, uh, I just possible don't think that's, you know, like, candidate. I, I mean, I, yeah, that seems like... Yes, if you could, I think it's, you know, if you could say Ron Rivera is going to, you know, guarantee that he's going to be with the organization for three years as the defensive sure. coordinator, then I could say, all right, you know, maybe I could see that. Maybe he would be an upgrade. Maybe he would just, because I think he could provide some of that uh, hashtag culture type stuff. You know, right. I think he would be like a good guy to sort of have in the building who people could lean on with different ideas. Players would like all that. But uh, number one, I think he's going to probably be a head coach for another team in 2020. And number two, let's say he's not, you replace Jim Schwartz with Ron Rivera and you have success in 2020. Right. Well, if Ron gone. Rivera is the you know having a good year next year, then he's going to be gone next year. So uh, I don't you know I I do think that would probably surprise me if something like that happened. Yeah, I mean I think the only way that Schwartz leaves is if uh, there's just behind the scenes stuff that that we're not privy to. And I know Jeff McLean wrote about uh, sort of the outsized influence that that Jim Schwartz has in terms of personnel stuff. And uh, Chris Long, I think on his podcast, Zach, I'm sure you listened. Gave some kind of sort of uh, side comment about how the Eagles pushed him into retirement, right? But uh, I, I think the only oh, way is that I, think, right? I think the only way he's gone is if it's if it's about uh, the relationships in 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 the building and not performance. But go ahead, Zach. Although that's, I mean, that doesn't seem sound crazy to me, though. I mean, that no, could I don't. Happen. I think that's possible. Yeah, but if yeah, if, if it okay. happens, I think that's why. Okay. Yeah, I think the only way it happens is is if like there's a mandate from up top. That we're we're gonna keep Doug, but we're shaking everything up, you know, and not even based on like we're gonna find a better coordinator, but but more like we just need to send a message. We need to do something different. I don't think uh, they're they're gonna fire Schwartz, but I'm very interested to see kind of how how these last four games go because so much could happen here. But should they, uh, I sort of feel like they should not be allowing these last four, you know, unless they sneak into the playoffs and right. get to the NFC title game. I feel like it would be very short-sighted and a big mistake to allow these last four games, three of them which come against, you know, uh, among the the five worst teams in the league to define how you shape the offseason. Well, of I course. agree with you when it comes to personnel. I, I don't think they should be influenced whatsoever by personnel. Like, it's it's clear they need to do that. I view the coaching staff differently because I don't think Jim Schwartz is the problem, and, and, and I think they'd have a hard time doing better than Jim Schwartz. Uh, but if if you're six and ten, or you know, if 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 you're seven and nine, um, then perhaps you feel like you need wide scale changes or widespread changes. Uh, that's the only way that I, I can see them making a move on Schwartz. I just don't think they're going to get a better defensive coordinator than Jim Schwartz. All right, I have a question for you from my uh, my WIP appearance today. Okay, they they asked me to rank in terms of uh, who you blame for the Eagles being five and seven. Rank in order: uh, Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, Howie Roseman. It's a tough question. Yeah, so I, I think that well, I'm I'm going to answer it this way: 
Jeffrey uh, Lurie. No, you better. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. This is who I think Jeffrey Lurie <laughs> ranks. I think Jeffrey Lurie ranks Doug one, Carson two, Howie three, and I think there's a big gulf probably between one and two. Um. So, you know, I mean, I I don't know if I would rank them that way. Uh, but I think that Lurie's rankings are what matter, and I think Lurie will have Doug one here. I think I would no, rank it. I think our I would rankings rank it. matter. You I have think, to answer. I think I would rank it precisely <laughs> the opposite. I would rank it Howie one, Carson two, Doug three. That's what I had. Yeah, that's probably what I would I I would have too. I might put I might put Carson one, but the wide receivers have been really bad this year. Yeah, I don't think Carson's one. Yeah. I, I think that's too much yeah. too much on him. Yeah, yeah, no, I I I would say Howie because I, I I think this is a flawed roster and I think that they made some uh I think they made some bad decisions as as we've discussed many times, but I wouldn't think about replacing Howie. You know, I I don't think Howie's the problem. I just think he needs to take I would up. not think about it. You would not? I wouldn't not think about it. You I would think about think it. Of- yes. You would think I don't that. think I, I mean I don't I I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I would certainly at least think about it. Well, I, I had it at yeah I, I had it in the way you had it, Bo, and I, I think if you look at the roster, like I don't look at this roster, I think you know we I know I personally made some mistakes. We with were preseason. all yeah we were we were all yeah too bullish on the roster. Yes, yeah. So, but you look at it now, and it's not a, a great roster. And then I had. Went second only because I think if you take one of, you know, whoever you would describe as the elite quarterbacks, you know, the top two or three and you put them on this team, then could you maybe be a little bit better, like a, a game or two better? Yeah, I think so. I think it's pop. I think so. And then if, but I looked at it with Doug and I said, well, what, what coaches would you put on this team and say they would be two games better? And I had a harder time doing that than I did the quarterback replacement. I think that's well said. So okay. there was a stat that we had in our beat back and forth uh, that I, I found interesting. I, I didn't realize it until I looked it up. Doug is the first Eagles coach since Marion Campbell not to have two double-digit win seasons in his first uh, four years. Um, Chip what Kelly a crazy did stat it. that is. Yeah, Chip Kelly did it twice in his first uh, two years. Uh, uh, Andy Reid did boy. it five of his first six years. Uh Rich Co- well, I'm sorry, Ray Rhodes did it his his first two years. Um, Rich Kotite did it his first two years. How and often did Eli Ryan, do it? <laughs> I would need to go back, I, uh, but that's a different conversation. Uh, but uh, Rich Kotite did it, or, 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 or I'm sorry, Buddy Ryan did it uh, years three and year four. Uh, and the reason I, I bring that up is, is because even if the Eagles win out now, you're looking at a seven-win season, a 13-win season, a nine-win season, and a nine-win season. Um, and so you start to look at that Super Bowl year as an outlier. Now, I think Doug deservedly built some equity, and I think his best coaching job was in December last year. Uh, but it is something you need to look hard at that, that like was the Super Bowl something that is maybe not representative of what you're going to get year in, year out. Yeah, I thought that was a very interesting note from you. And then when I thought about it, well, yeah, you you might be, you're going to be nine wins or fewer in three of the four seasons. You know, that's sort of hovering. Now, you know, you said built up some equity, like that's the biggest equity in the job he did. Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
And I agree with you that he did a real. I actually, like I said, I, I actually feel pretty good about Doug. I think you need to get some different offensive offensive voices around him, but I think there's a lot of things that he does well in terms of, like I said, the game management. I, you know, the culture. I think he, he does a good job with that leadership. Although, you know, you could probably argue the other side with some of the things that yeah. have happened over the past two years. Uh, I just think he probably. If you get the right people around him, uh, you know, I see that ceiling with him still and the stability and players wanting to play for him. You know, I, I don't see them not playing hard or that kind of thing. And you don't hear a lot of players being disgruntled with him or uh, I don't think you've heard anybody really. Um, so I think he's got a lot of things going for him. No, and I, I, agree think, there, I think there is something to having a guy who, as the head coach, becomes um, a little bit more of a institution. Uh, in the organization. I mean, you just look at John Harbaugh. I mean, I know that's not the, a, a one-to-one thing, but I think there's a little bit of a value there. But the other thing is, as you touched on, Shield, at the very least, at the absolute minimum, like even if they win out these four games and win a couple games in the playoffs, they need to bring in somebody who is some kind of higher higher level offensive mind whether that is a replacement or not it's just an addition they need they need some some other type of idea person in there yeah well it, what's interesting about the last four games here and uh, i know we could probably wrap up but uh yeah i know we were we were having these Poor conversations Kent, <laughs> sorry. yeah sorry about that well, kent <laughs> th- this will be my last take we were having these conversations at this exact time last year about yeah. there's not enough speed and athleticism uh on the roster Doug needs, uh, you know, an offensive mind. Are the cornerbacks good enough? All those different things. That's, and exactly, then, that's what's so disheartening is it's the same conversations two years yes, in a row. Yes, and then this, the season flips a little bit, you know. Foles comes in. Your defense starts playing a lot better. You're in the second round of the playoffs, and all of a sudden you feel a little bit differently about all that. Uh, I, I feel like they need to sort of learn from that experience. And regardless of how the season ends, again, unless it, they, there's some kind of miracle run coming, which it's not uh, – that you need to kind of make sure you're looking at this season for what it was. All right. Well, I guess that'll do it. Uh, We'll be back on Friday with the uh, much-anticipated Shield reaction to Micro's (laughs) press conference that I know we are all waiting on. So uh, look forward and tune into that. For Shield and Zach, I'm Bo, and as always, we love you. Words with friends.